0: All right. we are closing up the week. Locked on Syracuse. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky. You know, we normally chat late at night, Ty. We're doing it on a morning here. I just watched Packer and Durham with Jim Bayheim and we're we're chatting on a Friday morning. It's it's kind of throwing me off a little out of my rhythm here. How about you? Uh, I'm all right. I'm
1: all right. I've I've got my setup down. You know, Tim. I, I've got my new podcasting setup. I might be the most comfortable podcaster in America right now. I've, I'm on my couch. I've got the TV on right now. I'm, I'm usually watching Late Night Sports Center, but now it's Get Up. So, I think that's the only thing throwing me off right now.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad you're comfortable. That does sound nice. I maybe should transition to a couch or something. because Highly recommend. Yeah. I'm always doing it at the desk, and I don't know. Maybe that would just relax the vibe a little bit more as well, but... Anyway, some interesting stuff to dive into today on the football side of things. We'll get to the waiver discussion about a a certain offensive lineman that I think a lot of Syracuse fans are waiting on. And we're also going to have some fun at the end of the show, as we tend to do on these Friday shows. This week won't be a fantasy draft Friday, but something a little bit different. Kind of one of the internet trends that was going on. The showcase something in the most boring way possible. So your favorite sports memory will throw a Syracuse twist on that and kind of quiz each other, which I'm really looking forward to. But it's not the everything today.
1: is cake challenge. All right. No. That's all that matters.
0: <laughs> yes, that uh, that's for sure. We begin today with the ACC quarterback rankings that came out from ACC network analyst and former Florida State quarterback EJ Manuel. He released a top 10, kind of published this on Twitter, and the reason why it's noteworthy is Tommy DeVito, the Syracuse quarterback, of course, is number 10 on this list going into next season. I'll just rattle off the top 10 real quick for anyone that hasn't seen it. Trevor Lawrence, rightfully so, is number one. Sam Howell, number two from UNC. Mikhail Cunningham from Louisville, number three. Derek King, number four from Miami. Hendon Hooker, number five from Virginia Tech, who kind of picked up for them in the middle of the season last year. Chase Bryce, a name that, Syracuse fans should remember, and that's because he was the Clemson quarterback who barely beat Syracuse in that game when he came in for relief for Trevor Lawrence. He's now at Duke with David Cutcliffe. He checks in at number six on this list, hasn't really been a starter yet. James Blackman at FSU, number seven. Kenny Pickett, who's been around now for three years at Pitt, is number eight. Sam Hartman for Wake Forest is now the guy there. He's number nine. And then there's DeVito at ten. What was just your initial reaction to this list?
1: My initial reaction was, okay, 1-2 was probably the easiest thing to put on this list. After that, it's a little jumbled up. But I think that Tommy DeVito is in the right spot. When you take into everything, because I think when EJ Manuel was looking at these, Sure, Tommy DeVito's numbers weren't through the roof last year. And again, it's not all entirely his fault. He wasn't kept upright for a good amount of the season, and that obviously impacts your ability to make plays happen, especially when you're not some sort of dual threat quarterback. But I think he also knows that Tommy DeVito is a top 10 quarterback. So the ranking of 10 is right where he deserves to be because it's kind of that incomplete grade again there's only 14 teams in the acc for football so you look at this conference top to bottom and while you look at when you hear a top 10 list you think that you're in some elite company but when you're ranking it out of 14 that's not that great but tommy devito obviously can't be left off this list because he has shown the flashes of brilliance so By putting him at number 10, I feel like that gives him the grade of incomplete. And I think that's the perfect way to kind of grade him out.
0: Yeah, so I tried to remove all our biases or my biases from this and just sort of think about it from almost just a broad lens. And I think I got to the point that if I were to do these rankings – I'd probably put DeVito at nine, just slightly higher. But I think okay. you're right. I mean, it's it's because we really... He was pretty underwhelming last year, I think, to a great degree. I don't really know how you could... And again, not totally that. his fault. Yeah, it's and that's that's the catch here is the offensive line was terrible. He also was banged up. And he got a lot better as the season progressed. He started out really poorly. And you also look at his numbers, and they're really actually like deceivingly good for Syracuse fans when you
1: look at the numbers he had the third best completion percentage in the conference which I think says a lot about his ability when he does get the throws off that he can make something happen but he also had only the seventh most attempts and I think and he did play for all 12 games in the season um but there, of course, were some other guys who played more games because there's bowls and stuff that gets fact, that get factored into all of this. But he didn't turn the ball over. It was of the, the 10 qualifying quarterbacks, had the, the fewest interceptions out of everyone with just five. And, I mean, you look at the numbers, the touchdowns aren't out of this world, only 19. But all of the other numbers are pretty good, and I think that's a sign of things to come. And we're going to get into the offensive line a little bit later on in the show, but I think if that offensive line can figure itself out, he could be set up for a really good season. I do think that when everything's said and done, he's obviously going to outperform this ranking of 10 on the ACC quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I think he has a lot of potential to jump. The way I see this there's kind of like four tiers, which sounds like a lot. But to me, Trevor Lawrence is just in a clear tier of his own. Yeah, no so doubt. So You put him one. The second tier is probably Sam Howell and then maybe Cunningham and King. And it might even be a stretch to because I think Howell is head and shoulders the second, as you were yeah. kind of alluding to earlier. And but here's the thing, just,
1: though. Derek King could be to overtake him for that just because he's got the experience he was unbelievable at Houston too and he's transferring into Miami so who knows can Manny Diaz unlock him
0: right and then after King all these quarterbacks have potential in my eyes and you know I would say that Hendon Hooker Chase Bryce is kind of a tough one to rank because we haven't really seen it well Syracuse
1: fans have seen it yeah they have seen it they've seen seen his one throw
0: I'm pretty high on him and I think that's a good situation, although Duke isn't going to be with you. spectacular. Yeah. I think he'll, you know, have a good good numbers and stuff and fare pretty well there. So I'd put him in a different tier than maybe the DeVito tier, but the only real one that I kinda disagreed with on E J Manuels list is the guy he had number eight, Kenny Pickett. I don't know why. I just never really have Bought in on him he had such a great like first start of his career he's been around a while now so you get a lot of experience from him but the numbers are just extremely average and for me he's he's more of a game manager that when I compare DeVito to Pickett I would yeah like, who do you want have... running
1: a a two-minute drill for you DeVito yeah. or Kenny Pickett and to me it's no questions asked and right I mean you look at DeVito he, he's a much more efficient passer He had more touchdowns despite having 132 fewer attempts, and Kenny Pickett turned the ball over almost twice as much. So I see all of that, and and I mean their running numbers are essentially the same too. So they're not going to give you this added dimension of the legs and the ground game. Yeah, I mean I'm with you. I mean the clutch factor for Devito, we've seen him do it in the past, and I think that when he's put in a good situation he can thrive, and I I, I just don't see it out of Kenny Pickett. I'm with you on that one.
0: Yeah, we've just kind of seen him for a while now, and I think DeVito is a former four-star. He has the potential to maybe catapult him. I mean, it might sound a little bit crazy to the all-ACC discussion, and I, I think if we did this list last year, he's definitely right on the cusp of that going in. People had very high expectations, And a lot of those awards go based on how good your team is. So someone like Chase Bryce is going to need Duke to be really good when, in reality, maybe he is a top six quarterback. It's just he probably won't get in that conversation if Duke doesn't live up to the billing or if they underperform in some way and, and don't have kind of a breakout season.
1: Yeah, I'd also peg Duke to probably perform a little bit better than Syracuse this season, though, too. So that's the other sort of factor in that whole conversation
0: that's a good point it would take a lot from Syracuse for DeVito to catapult into that conversation as well all right coming up we're going to talk about a guy that can maybe help Syracuse have a breakout season we're waiting on the waiver potentially from Chris Bleich and a lot of waivers have been going around the NCAA so we got to dive into maybe when this is coming and if this will happen for Syracuse but before we do that First got to tell you about rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it is for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Rockauto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Trust me, they are. I went the other day and be sure when you go to check out the how did you hear about us box and write locked on in there so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, some more football news to get to that has kind of been circulating this week. I haven't had a chance to talk about it just yet. And I guess it's, it's news because there hasn't been any news around this topic. Chris Bleich, who's a guy we're really excited about, offensive lineman, or transfer. I was about to say grad transfer, but that's technically not right. He's a transfer that is coming over from Florida. If he was a grad transfer, we'd know he'd be playing. We don't, though, because he's just a straight-up transfer, and he's waiting on a waiver. I think it's kind of like the Alan Griffin one. I feel optimistic that it's coming, and you're just waiting— and the weird thing about these waivers is they could happen 10 minutes after we record this podcast. They could happen in two months. I mean, I guess that's unrealistic because the season, if there is a season in the I won't we... call
1: it unrealistic. I mean, these things are wonky. We have no idea what's going to happen. Right. And that's just the way but, the NCAA operates.
0: Yeah. And it feels like the NCAA has been handing out a decent amount of waivers lately. And I think a lot of Syracuse fans have just sort of gotten together and been like, okay, well... Where's Chris Bleich's waiver? Because yeah. we're seeing some other ones. And I don't I know. Want me to I go think, through the list? I'll go yeah, through the go list of it. some of
1: the notable ones lately. So, JT Daniels, quarterback from USC, transferred to Georgia. He actually filed his after Chris Bleich, and it took him one and a half months. He got his clearance, and he's playing. Jalen Gill, wide receiver from Ohio State, transfers to Boston College. He is a, eligible immediately. That came out earlier in the week. And that took about two months. Yeah, so that's a big one. Jeff, it also is worth noting in that case, though, that Jeff Halfley, his new head coach, was the Ohio State defensive coordinator. So maybe that played a a role in, in all of that. However, there is another one worth noting, and that's Virginia Tech offensive lineman Brock Hoffman, who transferred closer to home because of his mom's health issues. And he got denied, and it took several months to get that one to go through.
0: So, so he still denied. nothing. Wow.
1: Yeah. So, still nothing on Bleich. It seems like, and, and this is pathetic on the NCAA's part, but when there is an actual pressing family matter that is involved in these waiver transfers, they always get denied, it feels like. I remember there was a guy, I think his name was Luke Ford. He transferred to Illinois, and it, it was the same thing as Brock Hoffman, where there was a health issue in the family, and he got denied. And I hear that and it just makes no sense to me how the NCAA can deny something that actually matters in the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. It feels like there's no structure, there's no timetable that's concrete. And I guess it's, you know, if you commit to something that's concrete, it's such a case by case situation. So it's kind of hard to commit to something like that. But in this instance, I just like to know, Hey, we're working on it and it's it's coming in two weeks or or something like that. Because I kind of feel like I do about the Alan Griffin situation. I'm cautiously optimistic and this is a huge, huge like quote unquote X factor for the season, whether this decision goes Syracuse's way or not. For Alan Griffin it probably weighs more because there's only so many players on a basketball team. But if there was one position that Syracuse desperately needed something to go their way on, and one group that they really needed someone with some experience and skill level to come in and make a difference. This is it. This is as big as it could get, I think, for one position outside of quarterback, I'd say. And obviously, they have their guy in quarterback in Tommy DeVito right now. So if it's outside of DeVito, it's the guy protecting DeVito. And it's a really good player who I think could change the landscape of the offensive line this year if he does get this waiver passed so i'm optimistic but i'd also just wish we could know some sort of timetable on it
1: right and i guess the unpredictability just leaves us to talk about what it could mean for the offensive line and i think that's the huge thing because this is a unit that's returning four starters and you and i have kind of taking a little deep dive into how the offensive line actually was pretty good down the stretch. Down especially the stretch. For this, <laughs> yeah, down the stretch. But basically after the Florida State game where things started to to go haywire and, and you actually had a concrete offensive line because Ryan Alexander, of course, leaves the week of the NC State game. You're in a little bit of flux for the next two weeks. But after that, and you go up against a couple of solid teams. I mean, you pull out a win against Wake Forest that you probably weren't expecting to get. You go on the road and beat Duke, and then you've played a pretty good Louisville team. You lose there, and you lose to to Boston College, who just ran all over you, and that's not the offensive line's fault. But down the stretch of the season, this team allowed two sacks per game, and that's way down from at the beginning of the season, where you had four games where you allowed at least seven sacks, so you hear those numbers take a giant collapse, and that's one good spot for the offensive line. And then on top of that, I looked at, I found some some more advanced numbers from David Hale from ESPN, and he broke down this offensive line group that when these four guys who are returning to the Syracuse O line when they were on the field together, DeVito had less pressure 29% of the time when these four guys were on the field. And also on first down rushing attempts, they were getting an extra two and a half yards per carry. So that just shows you how good this offensive unit was actually functioning when they had the same continuity out there. And basically once Matthew Bergeron was put out on the field, that's what made the difference. And, this gives me a lot of vibes in terms of Chris Bleich of when Cota Martin transferred in and Syracuse did have a very strong offensive line. You brought back a ton of starters and now you're bringing over a guy who started the bulk of his season in the SEC from a season ago. And when you do that, he brings his experience, he brings his skill to the table. Bleich was a guy who some recruiting services had ranked as four stars. he And he started in the SEC for a, a very, very solid Florida team. So when you hear all of that, that, that's a guy who can make a difference on your offensive line. You plug in the one gap that you have with the departure of Evan Adams, who graduated, and this could be a very good unit.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because in the past three years now, you bring up Cota Martin, there's kind of been one guy, now this is all assuming that this waiver does pass, but there's been one guy that's been inserted. It was Cota Martin two years ago. That was such a success that when Ryan Alexander came over, everyone was kind of describing that addition as similar to Cota Martin, and there was a lot of buzz. And obviously that was a huge flop. So maybe some fans are hesitant to say, oh, this guy will just come in and everything will be kosher. But you hit on the big difference there. It's SEC again in this instance. It's a guy coming from Florida. I mean, anytime Syracuse adds someone who has the caliber to commit to Florida— is pretty rare and this is someone who has proven it a little bit was a little bit underwhelming i guess from a florida perspective but now he comes into a new situation and for obvious reasons he wanted a change of pace so i just hope that the ncaa kind of grants him this waiver because to me he could have that Coda martin impact i don't maybe we're overrating it or i'm overrating it because this is what we're waiting on right now but I really do think, like, if Syracuse, in your eyes, as a fan listening to this, maybe you're thinking, "Oh, I don't know, this is like a six-win team." Again, the season is going to be weird, but let's just play a normal season. Six-win team, maybe five and a five wins. I'd put it at like five and a half. I really think if you're kind of on the edge of is this a bowl team or not, Th- these little things could make the difference in that regard. Yeah, I
1: was, I was just gonna say, I think. This is one of those situations where Chris Bleich, like if I'm, I've always been on the camp, this is probably a four or five win football team under normal circumstances. But Chris Bleich, if he is inserted into this lineup, that's what can take you to maybe being a six, seven, eight win team. And I'm not saying he's worth three wins necessarily, but. He, it's the little things that can add up, little things that can go right throughout the course of the season. Remember, Syracuse, when they won 10 games, they needed some things to go right a lot of the time. So it's the little things that they, they can start to add up. And this offensive line unit just frankly wasn't that bad down the stretch. And that's when you saw the,
0: the offense pick it up and, and you got some wins that you probably weren't expecting to get. Yeah, it could only go up after after how they started. But I agree. Those were some interesting stats that are kind of promising. And we saw last year just how much a bad offensive line can literally, like, just completely destroy your football team. And Dino said offensive line was the key going into last season, and it paid out in kind of a, a troublesome way for Syracuse. But I hope that things turn around, and obviously that waiver decision will be big. All right, so... On the other side, we're going to have some fun. The trend that was going around, insert your favorite memory by writing it in the most boring way possible. We're going to put a Syracuse twist on that and kind of quiz each other on our favorite Syracuse football and basketball memories in the most boring way possible. Stay around for that. Okay, so normally we do Fantasy Draft Fridays when we can on this podcast, which is always kind of a fun, lighthearted way to wrap up the week. This week, we thought it'd be fun to do this new trend that was going around. There's been so many different trends in this time period in quarantine on Twitter, but this latest one was kind of a fun one. It was basically, say, the most boring way possible to describe your favorite memory, your favorite whatever, favorite sports moment, I put out one on the Locked on Syracuse Twitter page. You can go follow it at LO underscore Syracuse, kind of in regards to the Hakeem Warwick block. And just we can use that as an example. I think I said like basketball player blocks a shot in the corner. So that's an example of taking obviously the national championship block, such a euphoric moment and leaving all that information out and just putting it in a boring way. So you took care of the football side, Tyler. You're gonna quiz me on these moments by saying it in the most boring way possible. I have so the best side.
1: It's, it's just like in school, how you know how on Fridays you got uh, pop quizzes. Quiz. <laughs> yep, this is the, instead of a fantasy draft today, we're doing the like we're back in school quiz quizzes on Friday. Okay, all right. So why don't you kick us off with the football? All right, so I'll start with this. Coach asks his team in the locker room, whose house?"
0: <laughs> yeah that could be for a number of big wins in the Dino yep. era but notably the the Virginia Clemson, Tech game Virginia Tech yeah was the
1: game that that kind of put that speech on the map
0: yeah I All was right. thinking about that once I did the original tweet I was thinking how can I describe the Dino speech in like the most bland way possible like coach just huddles up and talks to team or some after win <laughs> but yeah that that's a good way of putting it the whose house is Obviously, become such a thing. I think it's cool that every big win, we know like, oh, what's the Dino speech after? Kind of yeah, like a it's must Aeheim watch TV press conference in a weird yeah. way.
1: Yeah. All right. Next up, a seventeen to nine win over team from Middle America. Hmm.
0: Um. Middle America. Oh, Nebraska.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The win over okay. number one Nebraska at the Dome, which is right. maybe the the biggest win in syracuse football history yeah, all right
0: that some people were screaming at me there that took me a little too long <laughs> what else you got all right
1: last one here fast-paced offense sits on ball for 12 minutes in the fourth quarter oh
0: um this one's a little more tricky this is more recent of course mm-hmm. fast-paced offense sits on ball is this the pit game that they lost
1: no, this is actually the Clemson game that they won over the Tigers oh, okay. on that Friday yeah. the 13th. So, I guess I should one. have
0: thought it's a favorite memory, so the Pitt yeah. loss would not have made the cut. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I've also this – this one isn't a favorite memory, but I've got one that's kind of the opposite of this mold where it's a dull moment but described as as exciting as okay. possible. All right. Coach carried off the field after game-winning field goal over longtime rival.
0: Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's, that's Schaefer in his last game. Yep. Um, which, Against yeah, Boston that, College. Yep. That should have been such a, a cool moment when you say it like that. Th- those are some good ones. All right, so on the basketball side, I came up with three or four. Uh, a lot of these are pretty predictable. I think that's just the nature of these basketball memories. I mean, me yeah, stick you just, out.
1: They're, they're etched in your brain.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, so... First one, coach removes jacket. <laughs>
1: All right, Jim Beheim. See, well, I mean, this past year, it's been a lot. Yeah, definitely can, the
0: the CJ Fair block charge debacle. Right. I was trying to think of the most boring way to describe that. Like, coach get coach walks on, or but you can't say walks. Coach goes out on the court oh, while he didn't talking walk, to a no. referee.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think I guess no, that's he, the best way to put it. Mm-hmm.
0: I like. That. Yeah. So. Anyway, I I left that very predictable by just removes jacket. And also you could insert that into like every ACC game from the past several years, it seems like. All right. um, Basketball player overshoots the rim on a three.
1: Overshoots the rim on a three.
0: Oh, I tripped you up here. Think about big moments from your college time at Syracuse.
1: overshoots the rim is that implying a made basket potentially is this some malachi richardson stretch no Or is this oh this is the the john gillen buzzer yeah okay
0: okay (laughs) that one i tried to make is as tricky as possible you could just put like basketball player banks in a three or something because that's sound but yeah um I, you know, it's funny, I watched that, I was at that game, you were probably there too in the student section, right?
1: I was not at that game, actually. Oh,
0: really? No. Wow. Okay, well, um, actually, that, that makes sense. So, anyway, I was there, and I was directly behind the basket where the student section is, and I remember I got home or got back to the dorm or whatever afterwards, and that was the first time I realized that that shot actually banked in, because you know how oh, sometimes- you can really tell, yeah. Yeah, from your So, could you even point, tell that it went in? I mean, I saw like it kind of go in, but mostly it was just the crowd going ballistic okay. that caused me to come to the conclusion um, because I was kind of at the top of the student section. And gotcha. yeah, it was I had that once in in like a Patriots game. You remember the Monday Night Football game where Luke Kuechly like hugged Gronk at the end of the game? And yeah. there was a controversial uh-huh. P.I. I was at that game on the other end zone. And my okay. dad and I got back, and we thought the Patriots just like mostly choked, which they did, still kind of choke. And, and we got back, and we were like, "Oh my god, like what? Why? Why is there such a controversy over this play? Because we just couldn't tell that there was even contact from the other side, and we didn't realize that Brady like went down the tunnel, like giving it to the referee or any of that stuff. But sometimes, can I we give have my those... take on that? Yeah, it wasn't pass interference yeah I, stan- I, I stand by that i i don't have to get into that discussion i i, I can kind of see both ways i mean obviously once i saw it back i was like oh my gosh how did we miss this this is so blatant but yeah it, it was it was fine i mean it was such a late stage of the game i think you you kind of just i'm all for keeping the whistle in check in those moments just in any sport in general all right last one i have for this uh, most boring way possible to say your favorite Syracuse memory. Basketball player loses shoe. Tyler Lydon knocking down the three. Yeah. Well done. Anyway, I went kind of recent memories there, but that was kind of fun. All right, so we will be back next week, of course. We have you every single weekday on this Locked On Syracuse podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can follow us on Twitter. In the meantime, at LO underscore Syracuse. But we'll be back on Monday, and who knows what we'll be talking about. We'll see where the weekend well, takes us I think one Ty.
1: thing that we definitely have to dive into, Matthew Gutierrez wrote that piece about the, yes. the football program the other day. And I got to say, when I was reading some of that stuff, makes makes me kind of second guess how Syracuse is keeping up with their alumni.
0: Okay, huh. I'll uh, I'll have to kind of read through that. I, I sort of browsed it, but I'll definitely take a look at Goody's piece on The Athletic, and we'll talk about that on Monday, I'm sure, and hopefully maybe some other recruiting news will come out, whether it's a commit in football or something like that. Crossing my fingers, but we will have you covered on all the Syracuse news every single day. The only place to get your daily Syracuse podcast right here. And We'll be back on Monday. So for Tyler, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you guys next week.